welcome to this episode of Political Bark. Their uh, uh, ambassador Avinir Feifein, ambassador you. of uh, Israel to Norway. Thank you, pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for uh, being a, a guest here with the Political Bark. I um, want to start this uh, episode on Israel in 2023 by uh, first of all asking you a bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. Some informal questions, um, such as how long you've been here in Norway, uh, what your major postings have been in other countries, uh, what you have studied, and uh, also your hobbies and passions. So perhaps in the order where uh, I ask about how long you've been in Norway and your first impressions here. I've been in Norway for six months as an ambassador of Israel. I've been to Norway three times before when I was posted in uh, Germany and I was traveling all the way up to the North Cap with a car from Berlin all the way to the North Cap and I've been to the fjords and I've been to the southern part of Norway. So we know Norway very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not too many big surprises because we knew that we wanted to come to this country because it's a beautiful country with wonderful people. It's very, very pleasant to have discussions with people over here. I know there's different group of people with different opinions about Israel and Israeli policies, but even when you're meeting those kind of people that are critical to Israel, it's pleasant to sit together and to exchange views because it's, it's sincere and mm. in a very, very pleasant way. So we really enjoy it. That's, that's very true. Many, many people, I mean, being half Norwegian, um, I see that the Norwegian people are uh, sincere, we're honest. Yeah. Some would say we're very simple. <laughs> no, I, I, I really agree that this is more of honesty and sincereness and, and the willingness really to exchange views and we appreciate it. Mm, mm, mm. And about your previous uh, postings, uh, you've been living a long time in Asia. Right. Which uh, countries? Uh... I've been in three different postings in uh, China, Beijing, Shanghai and Guangzhou. I was the first Israeli diplomat in Shanghai. I was the first consul general to uh, Southeast China in Guangzhou. I was ambassador to Nepal, ambassador to Vietnam, and uh, non-resident ambassador to Laos. I was uh, posted in uh, Bangkok as well. So uh, we love Asia. We feel that Asia is uh, almost our second home. Uh, also here in Oslo, whenever we need to feel sad that we're finding some kind of a local food, so we're going to have Indian or Chinese food. Um, and we've been also one and a half here in uh, Africa, in Cameroon. I was ambassador to five countries from Yaoundé. And then I had one exotic posting uh, in Berlin. No, I'm here in Oslo. So this is the second country in uh, Schengen or in Europe right. that you are uh, living in. Mm-hmm. And um, China is uh, something I would, of course, like to know a lot more about. But you told me that you studied uh, Chinese studies. Yeah. What, uh, what was that? I studied uh, East Asian studies in uh, Jerusalem, uh, majoring in Chinese uh, language as well. Then I was sent by the Foreign Ministry to improve my Chinese at the Beijing University for one and a half year. Uh, I studied Chinese before even we had diplomatic relations with China, so we studied it in a Jerusalem dialect because we didn't have any Chinese teachers in Israel then. Wow. So. Huh, interesting. Um, the relations between uh, Israel and China were uh, good at that point when uh, it was during the... When I was there, it was a few months after we established diplomatic relations and the relations were flourishing because we were... The Jewish people and the Chinese people have uh, hundreds or even thousands of years of good relations between them. It was like all of a sudden meeting again together and everything was flourishing and a lot of friendship and it was really warm relations even the, during World War II. Mm-hmm. China was all, one of the only countries in the world to open its gate for Jewish refugees from Europe to, to, uh, to find refuge over there. 
So there's a lot of communication between people to people. Obviously, today politics is coming in between, you know, mm. a different uh, position of different governments, but still the, the basic relationship feeling between Israelis and Chinese is very good and very warm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something I had no, no idea about. I don't think many people know yeah. about Israel and China. And then I want to move on to the very uh, interesting questions, which is... Uh, your passions and hobbies. Maybe here in Norway, they are probably different from those in uh, Israel also because of the weather. Mm-hmm. Do you have any... Or you have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all, I appreciate very much the polar bears. They know how to use uh, the birds in general because they know how to use the winter. They're going to sleep. Oh. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> it's winter. Uh, I have two big problems with uh, Norway. Mm-hmm. One is... I don't know how to ski. Mm-hmm. Second, I'm getting seasick. So seasick? I can, yeah, so I cannot go on water over here with boats. But I love water, I love the scenery, and uh, I love to read books, I love theater, I love uh, traveling, uh, and I love chess. Yeah. So this is a wonderful country because you're having the world champion in chess, you're True. having beautiful sceneries, you're having beautiful fjords. It's again, there's a new opera house over here, it's not new, mm. but you all with all the shows, it's a wonderful place to be in. Yeah. Good. And, and um, uh, what is your favorite city or part of Norway, if you have any? So many places. I've been lately, I've been again for the second time in Olesund, which is a beautiful uh, part of Norway. Um, the road from Lofoten through Tromsø to through Alta to the North Cup was beautiful with the, the reindeer uh, just walking out there in the street, on, the, on the open, on the road. And also is a beautiful city, obviously. So, so many different parts that are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Might I ask you also what you're, uh, where in Israel you are originally from? I'm from a town called Rishon Etzion. It's about 15 kilometers south of Tel Aviv on the Mediterranean. So I spent school on the sea instead of in the classroom. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. I, they have very nice scenery in, uh, in uh, Israel. Yeah. As I've been there. A very beautiful country. So we're going to move on to um, a bit of a more perhaps serious topic. Uh, right now in, uh, in Israel, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, I guess, there are a lot of demonstrations going on, uh, thousands of people um, demonstrating against um, the government and perhaps uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's new uh, policies or uh, mm, decisions about uh, the uh, changes in the judicial system. Yeah. Could you please uh, inform, inform the listeners a bit about what, what's going on in Israel right now? Well, Israel is a, well, Israel is a hyperactive society. Okay. Sometimes it's for the good, sometimes it's for the bad, but this is part of the secret of Israel. And this is why, you know, for example, we're so successful in innovation and other fields that needs a lot of really uh, people that are not going on the very straight road. People, everyone has his own opinion. Mm-hmm. So we just had elections, fifth elections in three and a half years, uh, with nice participation at the elections with 71% uh, of the population participating. And the results are results. And part of democracy is really that we have no government, that people, some people, some people like it, some people do not like it. Mm-hmm. Now what we're talking about right now is reform in the, in the legal system of Israel. And Israel, as I said, this is a hyperactive society. Everyone wants to take it to its own direction. And some people are supporting the government very much. And 100,000 people are going out to the streets every weekend almost for the last seven weeks, 
We had more than 100,000 people demonstrating in Tel Aviv. The last two months, this is the day that the parliament were meeting to vote on the, on the new uh, legislation. Was uh, more than 100,000 people in Jerusalem demonstrating. This is part of really what we are. So we're not sure where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. There was the vote, first voting was there. Now for the second and the third, probably there's going to be some kind of amendment. This is what the prime minister is saying. This is what the president is asking to have. So the idea is really that, you know, at the end, we have one country. We have to come to a, a broader agreement between all parts of society. I hope this is what's going to happen. Uh, I believe this is what's going to happen. And uh, the demonstration are assisting really people to come to this position that, you know, the government will realize that they have to listen to the people. And I'm sure that the government will listen to the people at the end of the day, professional will see and decide what is the right decision for the, for the country's country. Mm-hmm. Because the, the amendments in these laws, some say that the amendments into basic laws uh, where the government or uh, I think it was five out of nine uh, votes would be given to the sitting sitting government, uh, yeah. sitting uh, coalition or political party, which is yeah. then uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's uh, party, uh, which would then give them the possibility to provoke um, high court's ability to review certain basic laws and also decide for the judges, etc. Mm. Mm, I mean, in in uh, in a simple way, does that mean that they will decide who can? who can decide on major cases or instances in uh, court cases in the country? At the end, I believe that, you know, anyone that is going to be sitting at the Supreme Court mm. has his own dig- dignity. And no matter who is electing uh, him or her, mm. uh, they will uh, decide according to their belief and to their own uh, mm-hmm. dignity what is right and what is wrong. And if you're looking backward, Basically, we're having the same government. This is the sixth government of Netanyahu as prime minister, which means that for the last at least 10 years, if not more, mm. his governments were the government that were electing the, uh, the judges for the Supreme Court. Mm. And always it was in, in consensus between the government and the court. Mm. And still the court is independent. And still you're seeing uh, judges that have been appointed by Netanyahu government that will sometimes... Uh, take decisions that are supporting his uh, decisions and sometimes will revoke his decisions, which means that no matter who is going to be elected, I, I truly believe that, you know, if you are growing up in the legal system, you'll stay true to your belief and to your professionalism. If I'm right, this is only future will say. Mm-hmm. I'm asking a bit uh, about this because many, many will say from the outside that this is... Uh, uh, I mean, protesters will say, perhaps, from what I've seen online, oh, this is not democratic, this is not in line with the democracy that Israel uh, is in 2023. And some, you know, also will compare to uh, things that have happened in Hungary, for example, a bit of the same um, issue uh, that was happening some some years back, where there was especially a lot of people in Budapest, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, where most of the... um, most of most of uh, perhaps uh, well educated people live and that have traveled etc cetera, etc cetera. and in the countryside there were not that many protests i guess in this case in israel also it's uh, people gathering in tel aviv and in jerusalem yeah. and um, i actually asked the, asked some friends of mine uh, in tel aviv who who are the protesters where are they from and this and they said yeah they are more left wing they are obviously not um, in agreement with the, perhaps the prime minister and everything etc 
So it's it's demonstrations that um, that we have seen in Europe before yeah. also, but as in Hungary, nothing really uh, changed dramatically afterwards uh, um, in in either direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Prime Minister Orban, he's been in power like Netanyahu for for a good amount of time. Uh, perhaps that is what sometimes is scary for some people that they see oh there's the same person in government throughout uh, many periods of time. We're not I used guess, to that in, in, I, in I Europe. Guess, I guess that, you know, I, I, I believe that Germany was used to it with Angela Merkel as an excellent yes, chancellor yes, for yes. Six, 16 years. Yes. And then she was True. really at the last... I've been her, there for her last uh, five years probably, and she was still a very good chancellor yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. leader. But yeah. really, from what's happening right now in Israel, it, I don't believe that it's only really from the left, because you can see people in uh, Judea and Samaria also going out for demonstration against this initiative. But I believe that this is too early to, to uh, analyze where things are going to go because the Prime Minister himself and some members of the government are saying that this is the first stage and now after the first calling and the first vote voting in the parliament was taking place, now they are ready for negotiation and they'll sit down and discuss it and they will try to find a broader agreement and to reach a broader agreement about how changes should be done. If this is what's going to, be, to happen really in a sincere way from both sides, I'm sure that the public will relax. If it's not, so mm. how is it going to go? But mm. this is too early to say, because we are really in the middle of a process. Mm. And the demonstrations are part of the process, because the demonstrators believe that if they continue to go out for the street, they're ensuring by this that the government will be willing to sit down and to discuss amendments for the first calling. Mm-hmm. If it will happen, we'll still have to wait and see. I mean, the demonstrations are perhaps the purest form of a democracy. Sure. So, uh, so as you said, yeah, it's in the making. It's interesting to follow. Uh, do you have any perspectives on how uh, foreign media has reported about it? Because I've seen a lot uh, in Norway, for example, it's uh, very dramatic titles. Yeah. Oh, uh, the Middle East, so the region's last uh, democracy is falling, etc., etc. It's. I think if, personally, it's it sounds very dramatic. Uh, I guess. And, uh, and democracy is a relative concept. It's an ideal. Yeah. State is not something that's that doesn't change. I really, I really respect and a full appreciation for the role of the media in uh, ensuring democracy in different countries. This is the voice of the people, the media. It should be. I believe that you know too many uh, media outlets in Europe do not understand Israel. They don't understand that our reality is totally different from the reality over here. And trying to analyze us according to the societies that they are reporting from. And Israel is really, as I said, when you're looking, I'm not sure how many demonstrations you had over here in or in other places of, of Europe, dealing with those issues like right now, and Israel is just seeing seven weekends a row, hundreds of thousands of people are going out of the street. Two Mondays, people are not going to work. Instead of going to work, they're going to demonstrate in, in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. going from other parts of the city, coming from southern part, northern part of Tel Aviv, to Jerusalem to demonstrate. It's, you cannot analyze other students analyze us through their own eyes. If mm. they do it through their own eyes, they don't understand the Middle East, they don't understand Israel. Mm. And we can, I mean, as I said, we're still in the middle of a process. Mm. We should only hope that, you know, the process will come out to, for a result, it will be under a broad understanding and agreement between all parts of societies. This is important for us. And, and with all due respect to the international media, we have to solve it ourselves. And, you know, we, we are used for alarming voices about Israel on every issue. Israel is being treated in the media differently from other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, it is too. Mm, mm, mm. 
I think, uh, I mean, when I um, say uh, the global media, I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, from European perspectives or Western perspectives, because I know that Arab uh, countries around the Middle East will not be reporting about the demonstrations in the same way because they don't see the problem in the same way or they don't see the issue as an issue even. It's, it's, all, it's all relative, I think, all the time. It's interesting what you're saying because you know, Nasrallah from Hezbollah was, was saying it as a, a signal of weakness of Israel, the demonstration against the government. Mm. For us, this is a symbol of, of strength exactly. of the society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is again the differences between societies. The lenses are yeah. different from what we see. I mean, in Norway, which... Uh, is a country that uh, is used to, uh, I would say, criticizing, uh, be it Eastern Europe, be it Hungary, be it other parts of the world, with very harsh words sometimes, without mm. understanding what's going on. Mm, then uh, in the main newspaper, I don't think anyone reacts uh, to the headlines, uh, oh, Israel is losing its democracy. Uh, and it's a, it's a pity because we don't get any more uh, nuanced perspectives yeah. on what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also one of the reasons why I made this uh, podcast, because I wanted to give more nuanced perspective, uh, bring them to Norway and bring them to, to the public also. Uh, so uh, we can move on from this, this uh, question, which, uh, which is a very interesting th- uh, question, but we need to, to see what happens, as you said, as we go along yeah. the, next, the next days and perhaps the next weeks. So I want to ask about, um, obviously, uh, the Israel... Uh, Palestine uh, topic, which mm-hmm. I think it would be unfair to many listeners if I didn't uh, ask about it at all. Uh, I think uh, I heard you say one time in an, in an interview that uh, we need to look forward. Mm-hmm. How can we find solutions in the future? I completely agree with this. Uh, uh, proactive uh, solutions that work, uh, leaving the past as it is and moving and moving onwards. Um, I want to ask a bit about um, dialogue, uh, not not specifically between um, uh, Israel and the Israeli government and perhaps um, stakeholders in, in Palestine, but Israel and the rest of the world. How, mm-hmm. can, how can it be mediated in a, in a, in a good way that uh, Israel has a, a, a plan for what it's doing, etc., and, and uh, communicate it better, perhaps, what, what, uh, what, where the future lies when it comes to Palestine and and Israel, because um, sometimes it seems like it's a uh, football match back and forth between the West saying uh, many countries in the West will say this, the UN will say this, Israel will reply, okay, but where do we go then? Yeah. We, yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I really believe that for us, it's first, first and foremost, it's for us and the Palestinians to want peace. You cannot want peace more than us. So it should be on us. And then this is why I believe that international players who shouldn't take sides. It's not about if we are right or the Palestinian rights. It's about it's not about narrative. I is it their land or this is our land. We have a situation and the situation should be solved. And if we look all the time, you know, we'll play the blame game and blame each other, we wouldn't go look forward. And the problem is that too many countries around the world are taking sides at this blame game. We don't need anyone to take this part in this blame game. What we need the international community to do is to support both us and the Palestinian in building bridges among us. Mm. We didn't talk to each other for such a long time. You know, we are flying to New York, we are flying to Geneva, we are flying to the Hague. It's very pleasant, it's wonderful, it's five-star hotel. This is probably some of them are flying business classes, a lot of fun, good restaurants. It doesn't promote peace, it doesn't promote solution. Mm. And what we need the international community to do is to tell us we cannot do it instead of you. We mm-hmm. cannot tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You should go to the same room together. It's only 20 minutes between Ramadan and Jerusalem. Go to the same room together. 
come for a solution, we will support you, but we wouldn't do it instead of you, and definitely not for the, by, by taking sides. And I believe that it's important really to bring today young Palestinians and young Israelis together to get to know each other, to get to trust each other, to, to start to understand what each other is facing, to, to show compassion to each other. Mm. And only then when you tearing up the slogans, the mask of saying those terrible Israelis or those terrible Palestinians, but you have names behind the faces, you get to know each other, then you can sit at the same table, come to solution, you can compromise and say, fine, I'm trusting my partner. Mm. Right now, we don't talk to each other. You cannot solve it. Mm. And flying to New York and blame Israel for everything that is wrong, fine. Does it promote solution or it doesn't promote solution? Just promote more hatred and more uh, uh, radicalism. Mm, mm, mm. And this is what I believe that should be done. Bring us back to the same rooms to start to talk to each other, to appreciate each other. Mm, mm. I mean, if you travel in Israel uh, and you see Palestinian areas, etc., you do see that people live together. They're not separated as in... Sometimes if, when you are outside, um, you can almost get the feeling that it's a complete apartheid in, yeah. in Israel. But when you are there, you see that, no, there's... Um, Arabs that speak uh, Israeli, that work in Tel Aviv, that speak uh, Israeli Hebrew, I mean, sorry, um, that work in, in Tel Aviv, that uh, have their lives completely intertwined into uh, Jewish uh, Israeli uh, areas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, of course, there's a, a normal uh, life also, but we never, we never hear about it um, outside, the, outside or in the media. You know, you were asking before about the, the legal system in Israel. We're having a member of, an Arab member of the Supreme Court. So many physicians at the Israeli hospitals are Arab. The youngest professor in the in Israeli hospital is an Arab. Uh, so many of them, I mean, you're having so many of them in percentage, but also the youngest professor in Israel is, is an, an Arab. Yeah. So, again, when, when people from outside are reporting about Israel, part of it is coming from wrong intention, part of it is coming kind of just of not knowing really what is what the reality is all about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the, um, I mean the region in itself, the whole region in itself, when you travel there, when you live there, you see that uh, Judaism, Christianity and uh, Islam, they have such strong roots in many of the country there and especially especially in, in, in Israel. Uh, they have all of their holy sites, etc. Not all of them, of course, but some very important holy sites for all of them. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's not something that can be negotiated back and forth. Who was here first? Who, was, um, who, who has the right to this and that? It's, uh, I mean, reality is that it is, and then we need to, to look forward. We cannot uh, change the past. Um, but I certainly agree with you that this is something that is a topic for Israel and Palestine, not for the rest of the world. You know, you know where you are, you know your region. Uh, sometimes in Norway, we want to comment a lot on a region that we don't even, yeah. we are not even close yeah. <laughs> in any way. Um, oh, moving on to a different topic that is... Um, Israel uh, in the world status quo right now with everything uh, going on since the onset of uh, the uh, invasion in Ukraine. Uh, I want to ask a bit about uh, relations between Moscow and, and Israel, Russia and, and Israel today. What, what, what is uh, happening uh, right now? Israel is standing on the war in Ukraine and the same place where the international community is standing. We have full support for Ukraine. We believe in the 
sovereignty of Ukraine, including in the provinces that were invaded uh, by the Russians. And uh, we're doing everything in, in our possibility to assist on, with humanitarian aid. Compared to GDP, Israel is one of the biggest supporters of Ukraine in, uh, in humanitarian efforts. We were the first one to establish over there a field hospital. I was uh, privileged enough to do it uh, in my previous capacity back in Jerusalem, uh, sending a lot of uh, equipment over there, assisting with water, assisting with energy in Ukraine, uh, bringing uh, Ukrainian soldiers to Israel to uh, operate them. So we're doing as much as we can. Uh, obviously, we're having, uh, we are having a very good relations with uh, Russia. We're having 600,000 uh, Jews in Russia. So despite of the fact that uh, while we have full support for Ukraine, uh, we are maintaining uh, pragmatic relations in a way with uh, Russia in order to ensure that uh, we don't uh, harm neither the Jewish community over there or basically uh, interest in the Middle East that are very much complicated, but we are fully in the same position with the rest of the Western world in our position of the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Um involved uh, on Kiev side uh, with uh, medical assistance, etc., but not with any military uh, involvement. Not, not with the military, uh, on, but, but we had uh, our foreign minister was in Ukraine meeting uh, President Zelensky and his foreign minister last week. We were having exactly, until yesterday, I believe, we had the, the chair of the Foreign Affairs and Defense Committee of uh, the Israeli parliament over there. Uh, they were told he and another member of parliament were taking to be, to see the Iranian drones over there mm. because the Iranian are assisting you know with drones and attacking Ukrainian citizens uh, with their technologies because they had found the uh, drones from uh, Iran yeah, yeah, yeah. in uh, in uh, Ukraine yeah so just yesterday our uh, chair of the foreign affairs committee of the parliament was going to see it as well he was being shown this um, we definitely support them fully much more complicated for us to assist uh, militarily. Uh, the technologies that we have uh, cannot be compromised. They are being used for the defense of the Israeli citizens and uh, we cannot risk it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, what about the um, effects of uh, the changing uh, geopolitical uh, changes in the world, also the uh, uh, economic changes mm-hmm. on Israel. Uh, Israel is a country that, um, in terms of land, it's not huge. Yeah. So production of uh, corn, for example, uh, did uh, has uh, Israel imported a lot of grain from uh, Ukraine before? I mean, we didn't feel the effect of the war beside of prices of, of uh, gasoline. We didn't feel the, the effect of war. I guess that as time will pass on, as much as we're going to see much more effect on, if we're going to see effect on Europe and the US, then we will feel the effect because it's going to affect slow store, but it's going to affect us for sure. The main focus of the Israeli, uh, let's say, exchange is really with Europe and the US. Mainly it's going to affect us if you know if less money will go for uh, high tech, for example, for, for investment in innovation, because more than 50% of our uh, GDP is coming really from innovation. So we are less affected by, you know, what is going out from Ukraine and from Russia, but the fact that it will have on Europe and US will affect us in a later stage. Hmm. And what about the shekel? I read today that uh, it has uh, devalued somewhat now the today i think it was the lowest uh, uh, the lowest uh, against the dollars since at least the three last years 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because this is exactly proving how much the war of the Russian war in Ukraine didn't affect the Israeli economy because the shekel was one of the most uh, the one of the strongest currencies in the world until two weeks ago. And two weeks ago, it started to be devaluated compared to the U.S. dollar in nine percent compared to two weeks ago. The reason was not the war in Ukraine. The reason is really what's going on right now in Israel with the feeling of some people that, you know, with the changes, if they take place, will affect the Israeli economy. And because of this, they're taking money out of Israel. Really? So there's a huge the... reaction than uh, yeah. a, yeah. overreaction, perhaps? I don't know if overreaction, but this is what people are doing. So some hmm. of them are really taking money out of Israel right now. And this is what's causing the devaluation of the shekel compared to the US dollar. It didn't happen because of the war. Mm, mm, interesting. The, the shekel stayed very strong despite of the war until two weeks ago. So Israel is then one of perhaps the only countries in the region. Let's not talk about the Gulf also, but uh, in the neighboring uh, with the neighboring countries that has not been uh, dramatically affected by changes in the corn uh, grain prices, for example, and the war, uh, but also uh, in the Western world. Because almost all countries have been very, very affected. I mean, we've been affected, as I said, by, by gasoline prices. Yeah, okay. Because mm. we import it. And we've been affected by grain, but what, no, was, it wasn't dramatic. Mm -hmm. The economy mm -hmm. stayed strong, the currency stayed very strong. Uh, it wasn't dramatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only issue now is that perhaps at startups, etc., the technology companies, that they might suffer some type of a, a feeling because of the protests going on. But that, that might not last either. Yeah. We, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Mm, mm, interesting. And what is the, um, internally in Israel today, I want to ask a bit, what is the sentiment for the future? What are young people uh, uh, thinking about, desiring about? Do they look to the East? Do they look to the West? What, what do they, do they look to Israel? <laughs> what, do, what, what do they want uh, onwards? As I said, Israel is a very small country. It's uh, 20,000 square kilometers. So Israelis are always looking outside. You know, it's like, a, it's a passion to go outside. Uh, not necessarily to leave the country, but to look, you know, for other models to other places, maybe to go a little bit uh, out of the country for a few months, a few, one, two years, and then to come back. So it's still mainly, it's really the US and Europe. Uh, for some time, Germany was very popular among Israeli youngsters. Um, there's a lot of interest in China, but it's much more complicated to relocate to China unless you are being relocated by a company, but you cannot do it yourself. Um, Really, it's US and Europe. Mm, not mm, not mm. Norway, unfortunately. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Probably UK, France, and, and Germany. Right, right, right. Um, so, as we uh, round off this, this uh, interview, I want to ask um, one last question again, bringing it back to what I started with, with the protests. I want to ask quickly about uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, since he's been in, in position for a long time. Is, is he sort of a force that brings stability to Israel and that people look to him? I mean, the majority voted for him, so they do look to him as a stable uh, uh, political figure that is going to last, that is going to stay also. You, given the sentiment, you know, uh, in, in, in Israel. I mean, it depends who you're asking, because Prime Minister Netanyahu is heading now his uh, sixth government, which means that a lot of Israelis see him as the right person to be on the job because mm. if not, he you know, wouldn't be elected for the sixth time, sixth time as prime minister. On the other hand, you're seeing the protests. Mm. So I guess it depends who do you ask, and in Israel it depends on which day you ask, because people are you know people are very, very flexible. It's not that we're growing up you know with uh, very.
very dogmatic uh, point of view on politics that you know if your parents and grandparents and great parents were supporting the labor you continue to support the labor or if they you grew up in a higher family you'll continue to support her Sometimes people seek uh, security and security yeah. comes with stability and what you have known in the past and uh, yeah. Yeah. thank you so much for the for the conversation and uh, I'm excited to hear what my listeners will uh, will say and comment also about this interesting and uh, different discussion thank you thank you so much. Appreciate it.